Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Welcome back. 365 Sports. Paul Catalina flying solo as the smokes are off doing high school football. And Jack McKenzie producing because Garrett Ross doing the same thing. Tonight and Taylor McCard couldn't. He was on a plane yesterday. He is with us today, so we moved him uh, 24 hours. And Taylor, this week is not. Um, this is not like the big matchup week. But uh, after we saw UNC and, and Virginia last week, I, this is the type of type of year that we're going to see some of those or time of year we're going to see some more of those where uh, nobody's thinking this game's going to be an upset and they're going to come out of nowhere, aren't they? Yeah, there's no doubt. And, and I think about you're starting to get into the part of the year where injuries start to play a factor as well. I think, I think about Texas. They've got a stretch of games coming up where they're going to be favored in all of these. But BYU at home, Kansas State at home, those are the type of matchups. And even if it's not just your starting quarterback that goes down, teams are banged up. You're, you're trying to get as healthy as you can to close out the season. Uh, it's something that coaching staffs won't make the excuse. But it's true. This is, that is a big factor in this part of the season. And that's where you see, uh, you know, a, a conference matchup where a team's going to be a double-digit favorite. And what we saw last week in North Carolina and Virginia. So Texas starts Malik Murphy this week. What do you expect to see from Sark with regard to a guy who's thrown eight passes against the other guys in college football? Yeah, I think it's going to look a lot different than what you saw against Houston a week ago where he – was thrust into action off the bench, obviously had not played much, uh, very little, and he, he looked nervous. I mean, that first ball he threw totally airmailed, and you could tell that he was he was juiced and ready to go, uh, but not channeling that energy all that well. I think it'll look a lot different this week. You'll have... that I would pay attention for against BYU is Texas is going to pick and choose when they take their shot plays. I think you'll see them more as a run-first offense 
establish the run on first and second down, try and keep third and medium and third and manageables. And then the shot plays, where they come from a leak, uh, not obvious passing downs, um, uh, it's, it's sudden change, balls around midfield. I think, you know, the very the, – the coach speaky sort of cliche spots on the field where you would expect shot plays, probably where you'll see them for Malik Murphy. But I do expect him to play better this week against BYU than what he showed against Houston last week coming off the bench. I'm, I'm going to hop around a little bit here because I'm curious your thoughts on USC of the last couple – like not only the, the two games that they've lost, but the games before where they, they almost lost – um, this was a team that was supposed to contend. Lincoln Riley has not brought um, any kind of an Alex Ranch, no physicality to the defense. They're not a very smart team. Um, it's Caleb Williams is Superman or they lose. Uh, what do you make of what USC has, has, has turned into this year after there were lofty expectations of this team to be in, in the Final Four? Well, I think they look like what Oklahoma was uh, in his last couple of years, except they just aren't as good a roster. Uh, Oklahoma was defined by really excellent quarterback play and skill positions on the offensive side of the ball and then really not very good defense. And the best version of USC is not a playoff team. And that comes down to, I think some of it is scheme on the defensive side. Some of it's a mentality. They're not overly physical. Uh, but it's also a talent issue as well you've got Caleb Williams and then like you mentioned I think it's Caleb Williams and, and then there's a pretty dramatic down. the thing that I like to ask is you know of any major team if you take away your quarterback is this still a team that would compete maybe not for a final four spot but that they would still you know be a top two or three team in their conference USC would not be they might not be a top two or three co- team in their conference this year anyway but if you took Caleb Williams off that team you're talking about a six and six at best US USC team and Lincoln Riley, they're going to have to address obviously the, the issues on the defensive side of the ball will be paramount in the off season, but it's also, you're going to have to bring in uh, a, a different type of player, especially on the defensive side. And then the last piece is the mentality. How do you figure out how to be a tough minded physical football team? Because the two times this year that they've really faced more physical rosters, they've gotten bullied. Kansas State hosts Houston this week that Houston had a kind of a bummer of a finish against Texas where they had a chance to maybe get an upset and didn't. Uh, That being said, Kansas State and Chris Kleiman, I don't know if there's anybody better at adjusting to, and then Matt Campbell's kind of shown this a little bit this year too, and they they play Baylor this week, but Chris Kleiman is so good at they have early season hiccups and then fix it better than maybe anybody else in the country. Why well, there's is that? no doubt, and a culture. It's uh, you've got a team that they have buy-in into what their team is doing and what their coach is preaching to them. And there are certain programs that they have that level of buy-in, and you see it repeatedly. Where kind of regardless, hey, I think about Utah also. Mm-hmm. Now yeah. there, that is a really solid program. But with what they've built over time, there are certain teams that they have to go to the portal consistently, and every year is a new year, and you're trying to figure out year over year, is this going to be a team that's consistent? Kansas State is not one of them. Kansas State is a team that you can expect to have them uh, at the top of the, you know, wherever the Big 12 shakes out. They're going to be there, and they're going to be relevant in the month of November. And I think that's going to be the case this year as well. In a year where the Big 12 is, is down, there's not a ton of depth in this conference, especially in the middle of the pack. Kansas State is going to be right there behind Oklahoma and Texas. 
And look, guys, this would not surprise me if they go into Austin in a couple weeks and win. You know, assuming Malik Murphy's still playing, they are the type of team that's going to present challenges to Texas where if they can steal a couple possessions, Texas should win that game. But if you told me you know, three weeks from now we look back that Kansas State went in and pulled off the upset, would that be a stunner to me? No, I don't think it would be a stunner. No, and they figured out the two-quarterback system. Taylor, you you played the position. Uh, it's not an easy thing to do because quarterbacking, it's not wide receiver where you can go out and get a blow, you know, and, and you know, figure things out. Running back, you know, got to, you know, kind of recover a little bit from from the punishment. Quarterback, it's about that rhythm and, and you know, kind of being the band leader, so to speak. Uh, if you're conducting an orchestra and just bringing in different conductors every series, it would sound different and maybe not be as rhythmic, but they they figured that out. How hard is it to be in a 2QB system? Yeah, it's hard. Look, I'm not going to sit here and say that as a player, you selfishly don't want to have to share your reps. Any, not that, that's the difference between what you want selfishly and then being a good teammate. We see offenses all the time in games that we cover where – take New Mexico, for example. They have their starter, Hopkins, who transferred in from UAB. But they've got a stud freshman quarterback that's really good that they like to use in red zone situations. And so they bring him in, and he gets a lot of touches. That's a, a, you know, a, a group of five school, not a power five school. But we see it all the time, and the sentiment is still the same – if it helps the team and your starting quarterback recognizes that and your team recognizes that, then you rally around it. And there's a difference there between when it benefits the team versus you're trying to figure out who your guy is. Because if, you do, if you're playing two, trying to figure out who you got, then you really don't have anybody. There's a difference, though, when you have different styles that benefit in different situations and then your team has the buy-in, which Kansas State clearly does, where based on the situation and based on down and distance, whether it's red zone, whether it's third and short – that, to me, is where it goes back to uh, if you can explain it to your kids and prove to them, hey, look, this benefits all of us, then you, you get buy-in from everybody, and it's also a lot easier for your quarterback that's getting taken off the field to have buy-in and support for it as well. Oklahoma uh, travels to Kansas this week, and Kansas doesn't have Jalen Daniels, but Jason Bean's been good. Um, Oklahoma's not been great at running the ball, but Kansas isn't great at stopping the pass. Is this a week where they may not have to worry about fixing their running game so much yet? No, I don't think this is a game that they, they can look past at all. Yeah. I think this is uh, – this will be a challenge. Kansas, this is a game that Jayhawks fans and those players will have had circled for a very long time. And this is also their last crack at OU. Mm -hmm. They get them at home. Uh, no, I don't think by any stretch of the imagination this is a game that Oklahoma can look past even with a backup quarterback playing. But like you mentioned, Bean has played well. I think Oklahoma and Texas should win out. We should see a rematch of those two teams in the Big 12 championship. But like you, like we let off with with your first question, these are the types of games where if you don't come correct as a, a full unit offensive and defensive side of the ball – you can absolutely lose one of these conference games. And then Oklahoma, if they drop a conference game, they're going to have a really hard time getting in the college football playoff, even if they win the conference because of their non-conference schedule. Who among the top teams do you think this week has the, has the biggest upset alert on them? It, it might be Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that is really a game that I had circled going into the week that you thought, man, that's a tricky spot. Uh, Oregon and Utah is another one that, it's, it's the teams are both ranked in the top 15. So is that an upset? You probably wouldn't 
phrase it like that. Ohio State going to Wisconsin. Ohio State, to me, does not play well enough on the offensive side to where if they go in and, and lay an egg against anybody and they have turnovers, they could lose. And you have to go to Camp Randall at Wisconsin. They should win that game. They're a two-touchdown favorite. But, again, when your offense struggles, look at Iowa a week ago. When your offense is that poor and then you don't figure out a way to create takeaways on the other side, you could lose to anybody. So those are a couple of the, the games that I have circled. And then the last one that I think uh, you could see drop in the Pac-12 Oregon State going to Arizona. That is a much improved Arizona team. That game I thought would be more like a touchdown favorite. Vegas just has Oregon State as a field goal favorite at Arizona. So that's another one uh, in the, the late window that I would have circled as well. What What are your thoughts on the Michigan uh, scandal? Yeah, look, I tweeted the other day. I thought that this was kind of a, a non-story for a while. And I got caught up in Every I would start with every team still signs. You literally have – I was a dummy signaler when I was hurt and when I was redshirting where you we had four different signalers. One was live, and you've got all these crazy boards and the signs and all the things because you're doing all that because you know the other team is scouting you and trying to steal your signals. So it's a part of the game that just sort of goes unspoken. Uh, but all that to say, there is a line in anything with what is tolerated and where you go from – trying to gain an edge to just all out cheating. And if you are videotaping and sending advanced scouting in a way that you really see more, uh, I shouldn't say you see videotaping at the NFL level, but at the NFL level where they are advanced scouting every week for all of their opponents, that is there's rules against that in college because of budget reasons. And Michigan clearly was doing things that were outside the rules. Now it's going to be interesting to see how much, separation can Jim Harbaugh claim from what was going on the way the NCAA polices these things tends to still be pretty strict on anything that's going on under your program I do think there was a line crossed I think players and coaches what's been interesting to me is players and coaches seemingly are treating this as a yeah that wasn't great but we don't care as much versus media and fans are making this a huge deal and I think it's just been interesting to see the discrepancy between a ton of outrage from media and fans. And then look at the last piece that I'll add on this. And I know I'm rambling. Look at all the coaches that are getting asked about this and how they're answering it because they're not biting on it because they're doing something similar. Now they may not be spending at the level that Michigan was for this stuff, but I guarantee you Michigan is not the only one, just like Iowa and Iowa state. were not the only ones that had kids gambling on games. Michigan is not the only one that had guys out there doing this at this level. They're just, They're getting wrapped up in an FBI investigation. Uh, So there's a lot at play here. Uh, I guess my long-winded way of saying they clearly crossed the line, but is it as severe as everybody's making it out to be from the media side? I don't know. I think it's still too soon to tell. Yeah, there's like, I just, I think my problem is just like, if it's a rule, like, I know that you don't like it, Jim, but you have to, you can't just break it because you don't like it. It's a rule. And so that's why there needs to be punishment in this. And then like the fact that there's, I mean, this is tied into that, the, the uh, Matt Weiss and the, uh, the, the computer hacking, whatever scandal is going on that the FBI is involved in that. Like there's a lot going on at Michigan that, um, it makes yeah. it seem really bizarre. And so yeah. I'm curious to see what the end of this is. Also knowing that the end of this ends with Jim Harbaugh back in the NFL. Like that's. Yeah, I, no doubt. And the last thing, Paul, I would add on it is how 
what a debacle for the entire state of Michigan right now. Between Michigan yes. and Michigan State, <laughs> it's like, guys, can we get y'all to stop <laughs> some sort of off the field issue or story or let's not put Hitler on our video board? It's been one thing after another for both of those programs. And I'm some of this I'm keeping lighthearted. Some of it's been really serious off the field, specifically with Michigan State. So, man, I, that uh, I know both of those fan bases would love nothing more than to just go back to uh, not being on all the headlines right now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think you're, you're right. Just go, go about being normal. And then this will also lead to radios and helmets, which has been, oh, we don't have the budget or the insurance or some kind of thing that's been an excuse for years just because they don't want to they don't want to actually do the work on it. But most coaches be like, yes, just give me a radio, and then I'll, have to, I'll never have to answer this question again. Ever, ever, ever. Yeah. They can go on to the next thing and try to figure out how to read our lips or whatever. And, and it should – we should have moved a long time ago to the mic and the quarterback and the linebacker's helmet. It's about – it's less than $20,000 a year from what I understand to pull this off. And at the FBS level, that should not be an issue for basically every program. And, and if it is an issue, you got to have a serious conversation about at what level do you, are we realistically competing at the FBS level. But overwhelmingly – Think about the resources that you're having to pour, both from a human standpoint and dollars and cents standpoint, into fake signals and boards and time management. All of that gets avoided if you just drop mics into these helmets. And it, it should have happened a long time ago. <laughs> Look, it, in, in just graphic design for the boards alone, it pays for itself Seriously. in two years. <laughs> Seriously, you, no doubt. You're having to pay a guy. You're, aren't you having to pay a guy on staff or a couple, you know, of your lower level GAs to do all that crap? I mean, every week and you're change probably it up? spending that. Yeah, you're probably spending that in FedEx print and go boards just <laughs> yeah. for the ink and materials. <laughs> yeah, to, to get a picture of Donald Duck. So they're like, that's oh, right. what's the Donald Duck play? It's nothing. It's just a picture of Donald Duck. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. All right, Taylor. Enjoy the game this week. We'll talk to you next week. Oh.